is a Call of Cthulhu actual play podcast that contains elements of horror, violent themes, and adult language. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Reckoning of the Dead Radio. I'm your host, Matt Ryan, and I'm joined as always by my lovely wife, KC. Hi, KC, and daughter, Evelyn. Hello, Evelyn. How are you today? Oh, I'm fantastic, Matt. How are you? <laughs> I'm well. I'm excited because we're podcasting and and playing. I'm excited because we're playing. Okay, so it is April 8th. It's about 4.30 in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. We're having mildly alcoholic beverages as we play. Of course. But it's the beginning of the story, so there shouldn't be too many curse words in this episode. Don't worry. I'll restrain myself. Uh, listener, I, I'm, I'm going to real just quick apologize. In episode five... I was a sailor, and uh, in <laughs> penance, I will never swear again. Which is funny, because you used to cut bait on a tuna boat. I was. I did used to it be. It was a crabbing boat. A it crabbing was not boat. a tuna boat. It was a crab boat. <laughs> in Half Moon Bay, you were a baiter. The master baiter. That's funny. Oh, Thanks. God. All right. I hope our younger listeners, they won't get that. That wasn't a swear. Okay, so here we are. We're in the Reckoning of the Dead studio, which, again, looks a lot like our breakfast nook. It's April 8th, and tonight we are, are beginning the second chapter of Chaosium's The House of Rillier. Do we have a little echo handy? The House of Rillier. I'm going to cut that out. Okay. Um, it's not really an echo anyways. All right, so we're playing. We're going to play chapter two. I'll keep it. The Crystal of Chaos. The Crystal of Chaos was written by Peter Gillum with David Conyers. And I think David Conyers, from what I understand, is the mastermind behind the whole book. Um, he certainly does a lot of work on it. But this is this chapter is written by Peter Gillum and David Conyers. Now, I've taken considerable liberties with it. So if this thing falls flat while we play, don't blame Peter or David. Blame me. Blame us. Blame us. Yeah. That's right, because we're all sort of culprits. We're all in this together. But we're not culprits. Some of us are just along for the ride. Yes. Oh, well, and would that be you, darling? Uh, I'm guilty by association. <laughs> all right, and with the real-life stage set, let's return now to the theater of the mind and those wintry days of February 1922 Miskatonic University. Wintry howling wind outside. As we return to the ladies' dorm, the Dorothy Upman Dormitory Hall, and 
our heroes, Vicky and Gertie. That's us. You're in your dorm room. Studying like crazy. As Yes, as this uh, spring semester begins with your roommates, Buffy Spangler. And Ruth Hall. And Ruth Hall. She's back. She's decided uh, to forego her art career, or her art studies, let's say, at the uh, Fine Arts Museum in Boston. And she has returned to Miskatonic University and is concentrating on her second major, anthropology. Good to have you back, Ruth. Oh, thanks so much. It was a harrowing experience. It sure was. Incredibly harrowing. I'll say. Yeah. Thanks, Buffy. Yeah. Be quiet over there, Foxy. Foxy? What? Yes, I called you Foxy. Why are you calling me Foxy? Did you see the way you ran through the tunnels when those hounds were after us? Like the fox before the hounds. Hounds? Whatever those things were, well. Oh, they were awful. I, they still give me nightmares. They give you nightmares, says Ruth. I didn't uh, turn in that head to the cop, did I? I still have it. No, I believe you did. Let me check my notes. I thought you did, too. Ah, uh, yes, you turned it in. I would have liked to have mounted it. <laughs> yeah, a monster head. That's not something that's that fashionable. It's not fashionable, but it is pretty cool. It would have been a great trophy. Tell me a little bit, ladies, about your beginning studies now that you're back. So that the adventure, our first adventure, The Art of Madness, only took a couple of days out of Gertie and Vicky's life. It really put me behind study-wise, I have to say. That time away from classes and tutoring, boy, I'm cramming now. Mm-hmm. Me as well, and I've actually found it difficult to study I, my mind has just been stuck on the events of uh, the tunnel. The tunnel. Uh, it, it, you try to pump Ruth for information about it, but she really sort of existed in a blackout for a lot of it. She's got huge lapses in memory, and she can't remember what was going on, but it was just horrific. I don't blame her. Oh, I think it was terrible. Yes, and she's mostly starved. She didn't have any of the cadaver, unlike her friend, Helen Wilson, who would nibble upon occasion. Really? That's disgusting. That's what their food was. That's all that was provided. Oh, my God. Well, good for you for no, not eating any, Ruth. No wonder she's so thin. No, it's it's good. You didn't give in to peer pressure. She probably just missed her mother's pot roast. I have to say, Ruth, your mother cooks a great pot roast. Buffy says, it's a goddamn good pot roast. Buffy. Stop with the language, Foxy. Oh, we're all getting nicknames now, are we? Well, no, I think no, you deserve a nickname, no, too, just Gertie. You. Nope, just you. How about Gertie Gunner? Gertie the Gunner? You were pretty handy with that shotgun. You cut Pikmin near in half. Well, got, girls gotta do what a girl's gotta do. Now, speaking of what I gotta do, I gotta get back to my homework. I'm thinking maybe with my architecture degree, I was really fascinated by those underground tunnels I might do some comparison of architecture of tunnels in other countries and the U.S. Quite fascinating. Hmm. Oh, well, I got to get back to this. If there's anything I want to study, it's what the hell was... I'm sorry. It's what was going on in, in those tunnels. Never swear again. I never... That wasn't a swear. That was uh, short for... Maybe we should call you Sailor Girl. That's right, says Buffy. Sailor Vicky, you know, I'll take my nickname with pride. G-D-it. 
the evening continues much like this as the girls are reunited and getting more comfortable um, as they settle back into university life. The next day, you're in one of the um, busy lecture halls. Let's put you in the science building, although I don't know why you two would be in the science building, but you're in one of the academic buildings and you're I have walking a science in. major. And there's uh, people around you and whatnot. And as you're walking through, you recognize one of your favorite professors. That would be Professor Galloway, who I think teaches in the anthropology department, doesn't he? Uh, actually, he's in the architecture department. Is he? He's one of my favorite teachers. Professor Galloway is amazing. He sees you as he sees your head bopping across the sea of undergraduates that are filling the hallway of the filling the hallway, and he motions to you. You two are walking together. Let's say, mm-hmm. no Buffy, no Ruth. Ruth, and he motions to you, girls. Vicky, Gertie, it's good to see you again. Oh, hello, Professor Galloway. It's lovely to see you. I am so sorry about having to put off that one tutoring lesson for your student, but I promise by the end of the week we are going to be meeting and talking a little bit more. It's just that we were out of town for a few days on an an adventure. Oh, I heard, I think, a little bit about it from your friend, uh, Miss Spangler. Oh. Really? She told you about it? She just mentioned a few things in passing. She's one. She's in my uh, one of my classes, as you know. Of course. course. I was wondering if, if we could advance our meeting we have scheduled for this week. Something interesting has come to light. Well, let's see. I've got some tutoring to do. I've got my classes. I am working on that one comparative paper. Um, but I do have time Thursday afternoon. What about you, Vicki? Um, I think I'm basically free, uh, anytime after four. Um, because I'm pretty busy until four, but, uh, I'm also free on Friday between 10 and 11. What works for you, Professor Galloway? The sooner the better. I'll be in my office today at 5 o'clock uh, after classes end if you ladies have any time available. Vicki, does that work for you? Sure. Okay, we, we can come by. Our classes should be down by then. Wonderful. I will see you then. Okay, sounds good. After he look, leaves, I look at Vicki and I go, I hope this isn't another strange adventure. I'm still trying to get caught up from the last one. Honestly? If it was, I don't think I'd be much opposed to it. I want to learn more about what's going on. It seems like there's a lot of stuff in this world that I don't know about. And uh, purely for the sake of expanding human knowledge, I'd like to know more of what's happening. Vicky, maybe I will call you Sailor Girl. You've got that sense of adventure. I suppose I do. You spend the afternoon, as you normally do, with your regular routine. Five o'clock finds you outside... Professor Galloway's door. Come in! That was oh! Was that Professor Galloway's voice? I don't know. Does he have a voice? I don't know. <laughs> I can't... I don't have a big... I think voice. that was a little bit of a Dr. Reed sort of... 
I don't have a big range of voices. We could do. He could be like a pirate. Oh yeah, make him a pirate. <laughs> Can you make him a ghost? Can you? <laughs> no. No. Well, come in, girls. Nice. No, that just sounds. No, that's funny. perfect. No, I no. actually, I actually love that. All right, no, okay. It's, it's, I'm gonna do my best here. Well, he's gotta have a voice. Not a voice actor. Do you want me to do the voice? No, you don't know what he would say. Yes, I do. Hello, girls, come in. That's what I would have said. All right, well, there's Galloway. Girls, come in. Now that you've done critiquing my vocal talents, Hello. please sit down on the leather couch. Thank you. This is comfortable. Yeah. I have a friend who lives in, well, he doesn't, he lives there now. He's not from Providence, but he's in Providence right now. And he sent me a very interesting letter. This friend, Robert Blake, is an artist and an author. An artist, huh? Yes, that's why I thought of you two, since you had a little art adventure just lately. I shoot Vicky a gl- I shoot Gertie a glance. Robert Blake and I are both interested in the esoteric, the uh, the odd science, as it were. He has recently sent me a letter that I would like to share with you. Because I'm going to ask you girls, if you have time, to go visit my friend, Robert Blake. But first, let me show you this letter. And he hands you a folded letter. And this is exciting. It's going to be our first special reader. And this is read by Todd Gardner, a very good friend of the show's. Dear Professor Galloway, I hope you will forgive my forwardness and lack of customary salutations, but in my excitement, I must forego these standard pleasantries. I found it, the bauble you long thought lost and ferreted away in some secret hole in Providence. It is here. I have seen it, and more, I have gazed within its many faceted depths. Yes, the shining trapezoid, as you called it left abandoned in a dilapidated old church, whose dark spires easily seen from my studio window, first atop Federal Hill and leering menacingly across town. I can easily retrace my steps and take you to the foreboding site. Don't bother telephoning, for as you know, I eschew modern devices. Write me at your leisure, or better, visit me when you're next in town. The shining trapezoid has sat for ages, it appears, and a few more days or weeks shall not make a difference. Best regards, Robert H. Blake. A shining trapezoid? A shining trapezohedron, actually. It's an odd, interesting device that has uh, come to our attention through some of the odd things that we have read. Arcane, occult even. My friend, Professor Engels, has been researching it. Occult, you say? It is odd. It's rumored powers. And why have you been searching for it? Well, I have an interest in the odd. Professor Galloway, this is a side of you I had not seen before. I know that Professor Ingalls is fairly new on our faculty, but you have been here for a long time. 
this is all very strange um, that your friend is in Providence, Rhode Island, you said? Yes, that's right. This wouldn't have anything to do with the city of Arem, would it? And a, a sort of a knowing look alights in Galloway's eyes. It might. It might have something to do with it. And of course, you're talking about Lord Stanton's lecture. Of course. That we listened to last December. Of course. Uh, well, you want us to go investigate this? I would like you to go talk to Robert Blake. And if indeed the shining trapezohedron exists, if he's correct, we would probably want to bring that back to the university. It's an interesting archaeological element. When you say we, do you want just the two of us to go by ourselves, unaccompanied by you or Professor Engels? Well, that's a good point. Professor Engels is interested in going. Okay. Now, I don't want to be untoward, but would you ladies, could you ladies accompany Professor Engels? We've missed a couple days of classes already. And I don't want to get in more hot water than I'm already in. Do you think you could talk to our professors about this? See you are can... my major advisor. Yes. But still. And, yes, and you're both graduate students. But still, we do have committees. Exactly. I, yes. Yes. The other problem is that if we are going down to Providence, Rhode Island, I certainly don't mind driving. I do have a car. Um, however, I think the train would be the best bet. Do you anticipate that we are going to be there overnight? I think so. Perhaps let me look at accommodations. I have a friend who works at the Biltmore. Maybe I can get a cut rate. Ooh, it would be lovely to stay at the Biltmore. It's quite a fancy hotel. Well, that definitely makes the offer sound more enticing. I think Professor Ingalls is over in Orne Library if you'd like to talk to him. Sure. Perhaps we should, yeah. Um, very well, then. Thank you, ladies. Why don't you head over to Orne Library? I'm sure he's there until uh, his supper time. I will call my friend and make accommodations for uh, rail railway tickets and an evening or two in the Biltmore on the university, of course. Of course. Of course. Will it just be you two? I hear that on your Boston excursion, you took your fellow roommates. Yes, Buffy was quite helpful. She was quite helpful. She held the flashlight. Well, yes, she did. I'll let you talk to Professor Engels. Um, I, I, of course, will book two rooms, and I think the rooms hold four. So if you would like to take your friends, it would be all right with me. Well, we can certainly talk with them. I don't know about Ruth. I think she's still a little bit... Um, on the skittish side. Very good. Then uh, I will book uh, Friday and Saturday night, and you go find Professor Angles. Okay. Very well. From Professor Galloway's office to Orne Library, is there anything you'd like to do in between? Well, first, I think we need to have a little discussion as we're walking. Mm -hmm. um, so, Vicky. So you have to cross the quad, so you're yes. between buildings. Right. 
so we have a little discussion. On the quad. At, at, I started as soon as we walk out of the office. I look at I look at Vicky and I go, "What the heck do you think this is all about? We're not going to have another adventure like we had in the tunnels under Boston, do you think? Is this just going and picking up some sort of shiny hedron thing or?" He mentioned the arcane, which a couple of weeks ago I would have eschewed that idea, but right, this thing could be magical. And I know, and I know that Ruth is a little bit uh, shy of things right now. She still is a little bit shaky. I don't think we should even ask her about this. But she really has a, I think, a handle on the arcane. She was always into that kind of weird side of art, you know, the black arts type of thing. I suppose so. She might have sort of a sense about the stuff. And you know, Buffy's going to want to come no matter where we go because she hates being alone in that room. I'd like Buffy to come if only for the free cigs. I was going to say, she does have that. Well. If we're going to ask her, I won't call her Foxy. That's probably a good idea. Until we get on the train. Well, I mean, I'm completely interested in this. I think we should do it. All right. Let's go see Professor Engels. I think he's quite dreamy, actually. You do? Oh, yes. He's positively ancient. Oh, I know. He is, like, in his 30s. But still. Now, Professor Wormwood. Oh, please. With that kind of, that greasy hair. Something about his beard, I just... Oh, no. I do like a mustache, but the beard is a little much. Do you think he waxes it? The beard? The mustaches. You know, it's an interesting question, because I think sometimes he does, and sometimes he doesn't. He came into a lecture once. Mm-hmm. It was like a caterpillar. It oh. was like one of those big, fuzzy caterpillars. How could you even pay attention to what he was talking about? The whole time I'd be looking at his upper lip going, itty-bitty caterpillar, itty-bitty. Orn Library is an impressive building. Brick and stone, two stories, full basement, stacks and stacks of shelves. You two have spent many hours in Orn Library. Um, You know that the offices of the librarians are upstairs on the second floor. And you know that the very different references are, uh, uh, the different um, subject categories are sprinkled all across the basement first and second floor, as, long, as well as periodicals and magazines. We've also learned that the head librarian, Dr. Armitage, has his own restricted section. And I keep thinking about that. Wouldn't it be kind of fun to see what is in the restricted section? I've been thinking about that restricted section. I know. We should definitely check that out sometime. Wh- which professor did you say it belonged to? That was Dr. Armitage. He's the head librarian. Maybe... Oh, the cat is using my knee as a clawing post. (laughs) I don't know about now, but maybe in the future we should try and leverage that. I think that would be a great idea. You know, maybe if we do this favor for Professor Galloway and Professor Engels. They could put in a good word. Maybe. It might be worth it. I've just been dying to know what's in there. Oh, here we are. You go through the library looking for Professor Engels? Yes. Okay, good. He's on the second floor. At uh, 
sitting at some tables with a bunch of books in front of him. On the second floor of the library, you can see all the doors that lead to the private offices and whatnot. And many of them are labeled, right? But you can see Professor Angles, and he's, I think, in his mid-30s, maybe late 30s. Um, and he has, did you say he has a mustache? Yes. Okay, he's got a mustache, and he's got sandy blonde hair, let's say, and steamy blue eyes. And he is sitting there steamy. in his in his Argyle sweater vest. I think I said dreamy. Argyle. Oh, dreamy. He's got an Argyle sweater vest, yes, and a yellow blue dotted, uh, with a, a yellow blue polka dotted bow tie. Yes, and he's sitting there with his uh, wire rim glasses and his, his his shirt sleeves rolled up as he's busy investigating. Now he knows you two on sight, right? He certainly knows you, Gertie and Vicky. Hi, Gertie and Vicky. Hello. It's good to see you. It's good to see you, Professor Ingalls. Uh, forgive our intrusion, but uh, Professor Galloway sent us over, and I think we need to talk with you about going to Providence, Rhode Island. Oh, he he broached the subject. Are you interested? Well, we read the letter from his friend uh, Robert Blake. I assume that's also a friend of yours. I have not met Mr. Blake yet. I hope to meet him here in a couple of days. And we're going to be picking up a little shining tap, trapezohedron or something like that. Some bauble. The shining trapezohedron. Yes. yes. I've been doing a fair bit of research about it. I mean, you might want to extend yourselves and do some additional research as well. Are you interested in what I found so far? Yes, we certainly are. Absolutely. And listeners, as I pass this handout to our players, why don't we let good friend C.J. Romer read what's on the handout for you at home. The shining trapezohedron is a strange bauble, a smallish gem-like stone closely resembling crystal. It is almost completely black, but has some crimson striation. It has the curious illusion of shining with an inner light. The stone is a polyhedron with many irregular flat surfaces. It is roughly four inches thick, and it is usually found in a peculiar yellow metal box with a hinged lid. The box is decorated with unknown dot-formed hiring. The shining trapezohedron is impossibly old, a gift from the black pharaoh of Egypt. It is said that the old ones possessed the artifact and mounted it in his yellow metal box. It was salvaged from the ruins of one of their cities by the serpent people who took it back to Volusia. Then it was sighted over the years in various ancient lands, including Lemuria, where it was first gazed upon by humans, Volusia and Atlantis. After Atlantis sank beneath the waves, the stone dropped out of sight for a while until it was dredged up by a Minoan fisherman. It was sold to merchants from Kem and later fell into the hands of the third dynasty black pharaoh, Nephron Kar. After years of use, he buried it with an enchanted mirror in a sealed crypt. Both were found by the evil queen and Nitocris shortly after she adopted the child of the masked messenger in the white desert. After her fall from power, 
the shining trapezohedron disappeared again, and it has never surfaced since. Well, this is very interesting, Professor Engels. Did that mention Atlantis? That's what my research has shown. Um, this is very interesting. Are you really telling me that you believe Atlantis is real? Well, I'm not going to discount it as a fairy tale. Interesting. That's what I always thought it was. For true. I believed that as well. Lemuria and Volusia, two other mythical lands that may not be as mythical as we thought. More will be revealed if we can find the shining trapezohedron. Well, I am interested in doing a little bit more research about this. It's interesting, um, earlier Vicky mentioned something about um, Professor, not Professor, Lord Storton, the archaeologist that was talking about Aram and the city of pillars in Egypt. And you're saying that this particular stone is in a box that has hieroglyphics on it. Is this an Egyptian artifact? Well, I think so. Uh, from what I've been able to um, to research, it was a gift from the Black Pharaoh of Egypt. It's very interesting. Yes, I think it was first discovered in the tomb of Nefrenka. I have not heard that name, Nefrenka, but I have to admit, I'm not really up on my Egyptology. Neither am I. Maybe Ruth would know. She might. She does have a degree in it. Well, she wants to get an advanced degree in anthropology. So she might be a good person to bring along with us. That is Professor Ingalls, if you don't mind, if our roommates come along with us. I certainly wouldn't mind. I think we're planning on leaving Friday. Today being Tuesday, that gives us a couple of days to get ready. Yes, it would be nice to do a little bit of research I wonder if there's any way that we could talk with somebody who has some experience. Profess, I mean, per perhaps Dr. Armitage might be able to help us out. He was at Lord Storton's lecture and seemed to know him very well. I've also heard that he has um, his own section in the library with some very interesting references. Interesting and some say dangerous. Oh, how dangerous could a book be? And who says? Some say people are talking. Oh, let's oh. just talk. He's very, uh, it's called the restricted section because he's very particular about who let, he lets in there. And only those with um, stellar academic credentials and the best intentions are allowed in. Have you been in? He has not let me in yet. And I have asked repeatedly. I see. I think I'm wearing him down. I hope I'm wearing him down. What about Professor Galloway? Well, he's a good man. Has he been in the restricted the restricted section? That's yes. your question? Yes. I don't think he has been. Do well, that's highly unusual. Uh, no, I don't. I mean, maybe he has been. Not many people know about the restricted collection. Interesting. Well, we'll just do some basic research then. I suppose so. Would you have a direction that you would like to point us in? Well, we have, the, the university has a fantastic occult 
section over there. It's got a section on um, um, Egyptian studies and anthropology, of course, Egyptology downstairs. I mean, any of those sections uh, would be a good place to look. Let's spend the next few days researching what we can, along, of course, with our other academic duties, girls. Yes, we can't forget that. We'll actually be back later on at the library after dinner. I do have to do some studying. I am a little bit behind in what I was working on. Um, So for now, I think we'll bid you a good evening. And we do need to get to our dinner as well. Yes, of course. Um, All right. So he, he gathers up his things and he bids you good day. So before we take our break for our musical interlude so that the listener can stretch their legs and get a frosty beverage, what are you girls going to do? Eat. I'm hungry. Yes, we definitely And have you've to got go a back. couple of days, so you can sort of telescope back. I don't need to know the exact details. Okay. But well, so first off, we're going to be going back to the, the our dorm, and we're going to be trying to rope in our two roommates on on our next adventure mm-hmm. and uh and then once we get them hooked we're going to kind of go to the library and assign each other different things to look up i would very much like to research nephrim ka okay i love it so uh, I love the idea of roping in the roommates, and that's going to require roles. So to rope Buffy in is going to require require one of you to make some sort of social role, however you best think you can convince her to do it. Okay. okay. And I'm going to give you a bonus die because Buffy is so eager for adventure. Do you want to make the role? Yeah. Okay. And what role, what skill are you using, Gertie? Fast talk. Oh! <laughs> It confuses and razzle-dazzles her. <laughs> Going to Providence? Oh, I fail. <laughs> <laughs> we can get cigarettes here. I want to talk to Ruth. Okay. I'm going to try and uh, charm her into it. Okay, now, Ruth's wary because right. of her because of her last uh, um, experiences, you know, outside of Miskatonic U. It's, it's funny that Miskatonic University is her safe spot. But go ahead and make a social roll. Okay. You don't get a bonus die because Ruth is a little trepidatious. That's fine. I fail. (laughs) I'm going to push it. I was going to ask if either of you wanted to push the roll. I think I should push the the roll with Buffy. Although I do think that once Ruth's on board, if once we get one of them on board, the other one will not want to be left alone. So what's your, uh, what's your charm? 40. So maybe try to push your charm. Okay. Um, because my fast talk's only 35. And I know that Buffy would definitely, if we can get Ruth to go along, Buffy definitely won't say Ruth, Ruth, please, you kind of owe us. I mean, we did save your life. <laughs> it's so true. Charming. It's so true. <laughs> charming. <laughs> go ahead and make the roll. I make it. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, well, of course, you're right. Buffy doesn't want to be left out. Nope. You don't even have to make the roll. Nope. Buffy's in. Great. When are we leaving? Two days. Two days. And we're taking the train. Hmm. I better go to Dexter's coffee shop and see if I can get any of his 
special brew. What? What does that mean, Buffy? In case we need a nip. Buffy. Well, we're in the Biltmore. <laughs> Buffy, that would be delightful. If Maybe. you need a ride over to the coffee shop, I will drive you. Sure. And then there's some kind of a bohemian coffee shop that I, I, I there is actually uh, in one of the supplements, there is a, a listed bohemian coffee shop. I can't remember what it's called, but Fantastic. it might be Derby's, but I can't remember. It doesn't matter. Um, later in the library. You want to be in the Egyptology section mm -hmm. uh, and you, Gertie, want to be. Well, I'm interested in the Egyptology part of it, uh, but I think that what I'm going to be doing, I don't know who the old ones are, and so I'm trying to find out more information about the old ones that it's mentioned um, in that paper that we saw. Okay, so that sounds like a cult, the occult section? Yeah. Okay, wonderful. Uh, uh, let's have two library use rolls. Oh, one. Ooh. Oh, I fail. I, I rolled in a 96. Time to change these dice. You find a book on Egyptology refers, refers to the discovery in 1843 okay. by a Professor Bowen of Providence in the tomb of an unnamed pharaoh of a crystal that shines in the dark. Okay. Well, the crystal's definitely real, and it definitely has some sort of arcane potency. That much is basically for sure, mm -hmm. considering all the accounts I've read and heard. Do I find anything else? It wasn't. It wasn't oh one. <laughs> yes. You head upstairs on an O1. You head upstairs uh, in the into the occult section. And in some book, I don't have the title of the occult reference, uh, you find a being, mention of a being known as the Haunter of the Dark, which mentions that the lost trapezohedron is a legendary source of its power. The passage states that the creature, quote, could not emerge from the dark, end quote. Very interesting. Yes. Uh, I think with an O1, you also find out that Professor Bowen uh, was a fairly accredited archaeologist. Okay. And uh, I've got his first name around here somewhere. Um, is he associated with any university that we know? Uh, yes, Brown University. In Rhode Island. Mm-hmm. Is Miskatonic an Ivy League? Yes, it is. It plays Cornell in, on the football. And loses. <laughs> no. They beat him on the ice, though, in hockey. No, they don't. Yes, they do. No, Cornell wins. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Cornell wins. Oh, yes. Okay. Yes. Okay, good. So you're saying that the Haunter of the Dark needs the crystal to emerge from the dark? Uh, it's not too specific, but they definitely have some sort of relationship. 
It just says that the crystal was the source of the being's power, and that the being could not emerge from the dark, which I assume that because the crystal glows, that means the being can emerge in the dark through the use of the light of the crystal? Mm, I don't know. As our investigators pondered the connection between the Haunter in the Dark and the Shining Trapezohedron, let's take a break, stretch our legs, grab a beverage, and we'll return after this musical interlude. As we return from our musical interlude, let's return to Orn Library. I imagine you girls spend more than an evening there. Oh, we spend many evenings there. So, the next day, why don't the both of you make another library use roll? I fail. I fail. I hit Casey's hand with my hand. She should get to re-roll. <laughs> I fail. It's still a fail. Okay. Um, At least I'm consistent. So, so uh, let me remind you, though, for character advancement, if you survive... Oh, that's right. Take off the skills that you succeed at. So we'll check those later uh, at the end of the chapter. Hmm. If you survive. Hmm. Okay, that was Wednesday. Thursday comes. One more set of library use rolls. And remember, you can push any of these as well. I fail. Oh, I wait, fail. <laughs> Nobody wants to push one? How? By yelling at the librarian? I'll push one. Um, maybe by staying after hours. Maybe I fell asleep in my study, Carol. That would help me research. I fail. <laughs> Everyone, like... <laughs> Four things over 90. Oh. I'm going to trade out these dice, too. I'm going on to the next... Going up to the backup. Backup. Okay. Um, Maybe I fell asleep for all of Thursday. <laughs> and missed the train. Adventure's over. No. No, no, no. 99. I've got an idea. Make an idea roll. The two of you. Mm. That's intelligence? Yeah. Uh, yeah, you most mostly just want to roll under your intelligence. <clears throat> so. Oh, I made it. I made it too. Good, good. So uh, I, you can't find anything more in either the occult section about the shining trapezohedron or in the archaeology section about uh, Professor Bowen. You do find his first name, Enoch, Enoch Bowen. But you th suddenly think, hey, maybe we should check the newspapers for Providence. And you disappear down into the basement where the periodicals are and start going through old issues of the Providence Bulletin. And in a July 1844 edition, you find mention of the purchase of 
The Free Will Church of Federal Hill by Professor Bowen. Hmm. And the establishment of a religious cult there against the will of the local Catholic community. Hmm. The priest, Father O'Malley, was particularly vocal against this sect, calling it, and here I quote, tantamount to witchcraft. And the, it was started by Bowen? It seems to be. It seems to be the church was purchased by Bowen. Now, this is 1844. All right, go ahead and make library use rolls. What's the name of the sect? You have, well, this is what the role will determine. I made it. I made it. Wonderful. So now the both of you are uh, just flipping through these old papers, flipping through, flipping through. Um, it seems that the name of a, the sect and the, or the church, maybe both, was the Starry Wisdom sect. And in 1853, in an issue of the Bolton, carries a report of investigations by police into the Starry Wisdom sect. No evidence was found connecting a series of disappearances in the area to the cult. Disappearances, that sounds familiar. Mm-hmm. Later on, in 1866, you find an article, an article on the continued disappearances of people in the Federal Hill area appeared in the Bolton, appears in the Bolton in Feb 1866. Mm. It, it briefly mentions the results of the 1953 police investigation. So in the Federal Hill area in 1844 and 1866, there are several disappearances that could perhaps be traced back to the church, but there's no evidence. In an issue this of March 1872, an issue of the bulletin concerning witch cults refers to the rumors of the Italian populace of Federal Hill. The article hints at blood sacrifice by an unnamed cult in the region, but emphasizes that no positive evidence exists. Hmm. And finally, in an April 1877 issue of the paper, hmm. You find a small item on the forced breakup of Starry Wisdom by the authorities. It refers to public pressure on the authorities to enforce its closure. But the small article suggests that the church is closed. And that again, 1877, and today's date, of course. 1922. Very interesting. Seems like a storied past in Providence, Rhode Island. Do we find any further mention of Professor Bowen? Because by this time, 34 years have gone by. We're assuming that who knows how old he was in 1843. Right. But if he was in his mid-30s, by now he's like 70 years old in 1877, which means at some point he's going to pass away. In theory. Do we find an obituary? I would be looking for one. You don't find one. Of course, remember, you had a whole slew of failed library use rules. Uh, what well, you can... Bring that up and throw it in my face. <laughs> <Sheesh>. <laughs> what you can find in the keeper's mad scrabbling through the text 
is that uh, Professor Enoch uh, was exploring a tomb in 1843, the tomb being the forgotten pharaoh, Nefren Ka. I wish I could say it as nice as CJ says it. Nefren Ka. So when you say Professor Enoch, you mean Professor Enoch Bowen. Thank you very much. That's exactly what I mean. Was yes, doing Professor tomb Bowen. research mm-hmm. in 1843. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he appears to have dropped off the academic circuit at about 44, 45. Okay. His whereabouts? Unknown. But yes, I suspect it's, he might be well past as well. Well... If he is around still, he's probably ancient, but he might still be in Providence, perhaps still near the Story of Wisdom Church. They say it's closed down, but maybe we can find out where he lived when he did live there. Maybe we can find the church itself. I wonder what's become of it. Well, the church, it, um, Professor Blake says he can see the abandoned church from his window in on Federal Hill, so it still exists. Abandoned. Right. He says, uh, dilapidated old church. So, and he can see it, so it, it's still there. This is late Thursday evening. Your tickets on the train are Friday morning. When you return to your dorm room late at night, Buffy and Ruth are getting ready. They've packed an overnight bag, which Buffy's overnight bag is considerably larger than Ruth's. We'll share what we know with them. Okay. And they, I mean, they, they listen intently. What do you think it all means? Says Buffy. I think it means I'm going to be packing my flashlight. Um, oh, I've got one too. Well, I think we should pack them because they came in handy last time. What about the heaters? Are we bringing those? Well, I'm not bringing my shotgun because that might... Uh, draw a little bit of unwanted attention, but perhaps... I don't think so. Just tuck it away in your bag. I could do that. There's, I, there, 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 there's no way that the shotgun will fit in your I also luggage. think there's no way we still have them. Didn't we drop our shotguns I did. In I, dropped well? in the, I, I definitely <laughs> dropped mine. Well, perhaps perhaps I've kept the kitchen knife as a souvenir. Oh, I kept my butcher knife for sure. So, um, but I, Buffy says... I'm pretty good friends with the folks down at Derby's Coffee Shop, or Derek's, or whatever it's called. Derby's. Derby's. Maybe I could ask around and, or maybe you could ask around and see if we could get some heat. (laughs) This is the coffee shop. (laughs) You know, I buy your coffee a lot. Do you have a gun? Yes, but I'm just saying that he slipped me some absinthe. Am I pronouncing that right? I mean, it, no. I say it absinthe. in plural. Absinthe. But he, I'm just telling you that he slipped me some absinthe. So you're thinking that he so walks he's on gonna, the wild side. Right. I already know Derby's a swinger. Well, I mean, Buffy, try and get some. Yeah. I'll, I'll drive you back down again. I'm too scared to ask. Buffy, you said you were friends with the guy. I'll come you think, in with you. So you want us to ask for you? I'm just a little old NPC. I can't make any skill I'll checks. I'll charm roll. <laughs> uh. 
Okay, the coffee shop is everything that you expect it to be. Steps that descend down into it, full of young people. Do we see any guns? They're dr- no. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead and make a spot hidden roll. People are uh, clicking their fingers. They're reading poetry. I make it. Smoking. Ooh, I. Oh, nice. I get an extreme. All right, there's a guy in a black beret in a black sweater that has to be Derek or Derby or whatever his name is. I think Derby. his name is Derek Derby. Derek Derby. Derek Derby. That's Derek Derby's coffee shop. Um, and he's there, and you see Buffy give him a nod from across the way, and he and he gives a link, and then he's got, uh, let's say, he's got a waitress. Working for her, and of course she's dark-haired and moody-looking, and we'll call her. Maybe her ma- name is Mary Jane or Samantha. Samantha's good. Let's call her Samantha. That's Sam for short. S- Sam, yeah, Samantha. So we've got Samantha, who's the waitress, and Derek Derby over, kind of behind the coffee espresso bar. Mm. Um, and you can see with your, you had ex- very good successes with your spot hidden, mm-hmm. so that there are people sipping hooch. They're, they're dropping a few drops of their absinthe in their coffee in there. They're becoming intoxicated. Uh, hello, Mr. Derby. Hello. We're friends of Buffy Spangler. Oh, are you? What's your names? My name is Vicki Edwards. Nice to meet you. And I'm Gertie Jenkins. And it's nice to meet you. So go ahead and make an appearance roll, because nobody ever makes an appearance roll. I made it. I made it. We've rolled already. We were very quick about it. <laughs> the, the reason we didn't hear the roll, listeners, because we had some technical difficulties. And if you are interested in podcasting, let me just say, always listen to your recording device so you'll know when it runs out of battery. It's very good that we were listening to it. Yes. Otherwise, we would be repeating <laughs> the episode. Just finish the episode. <laughs> Exported the audio. Why the episode end? <laughs> but you both made the appearance, so... Uh, Derek Derby is, he's, uh, you know, he, he's interested in both of you. Uh, ladies, uh, would you like some coffee? Well. You drink a lot of coffee here at Derek's Coffee House. Oh, well, sure. And I'll, I'll, I'll buy a coffee. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Me too. And he pour, yep, he pours you some in, in uh, white ceramic mugs. Sure, sounds good. I haven't been here before. What brings you to Derek's? Well, I have to admit that um, I have dropped Buffy off here before. Um, but tonight we're here on our own because we have a little bit of a delicate proposition for you. And we don't know if you're the right person to ask, but we think that you might be able to help us out. Um, we're actually going to be going down to Providence, Rhode Island. Oh, Providence. And we might run into a spot of trouble. And, mm. and we're just wondering, would it be possible to buy... Two handguns? Absolutely. Derek, you are the man. You rock, Derek. Go ahead and make. Who has the who has the best credit? I think I do. I think Vicky does. I only have a 50. Alright, Vicky. 60. Make a credit roll. Ooh. Barely. But you succeeded. Mm-hmm. Alright. He's gonna give you two small caliber handguns. Ooh. That he's got in the back room. It's better than nothing. Cleaned out my wallet a little bit, but these things are nice. Yeah. Yes. And here's a box of bullets. Thank you so 30 much. 30 bullets in the box. Okay. okay. And look. Now, uh, Derek, uh, what what kind of dice are we rolling on these? 
You mean like damage and range? Like D6, <laughs> yeah. What's the damage and Derek Derby doesn't know, that sort of thing. Derek Derby doesn't know. He just knows how to get his hands on him. Want some more coffee? Yeah. I hope you ladies come back. Oh, we will. For sure. All right, now that you're armed, you return to your dorm room. Buffy gives a little wink and a bob of her uh, blonde curls as she leaves. Um, and in the morning, you board the... Or, no, in the morning, you go and meet Professor Angles. And he's there again with his Argyle vest. And he's got a, it's probably a dark-colored pea coat pulled a close him. 15 shots each. Oh, yeah. Oh, and before I jump ahead, is there anything else you want to bring? Uh, Ruth has maybe some drawing materials. I'd just like, a sketchbook. Um, and Buffy's got smokes. But other than that and regular clothes, I don't think they're bringing anything special. I'd like uh, stats for this gun. Okay, and you will have those by next episode. I don't suspect you'll need it on the train. Unless you really get upset with Professor Engels. That wasn't here! Ventilate him. I think the only thing that I'm bringing, I'm bringing a journal and some pencils. I'm bringing one of my textbooks because I do have to study on the train. You're way behind. I know I am. This adventuring sure gets in the way of an advanced degree. Um, and I am going to... <laughs> this up, you'll be at university forever. I feel like it. I'm bringing a flashlight. I'm bringing a knife. Bringing a gun. I hope this adventure is not such an adventure, not like last time. And I'm bringing more money, just in case. The train station is across the river and uh, from Miskatonic University. And Professor Angles is there at the appropriate time. It's a busy train station. Uh, we you can barely get there on time because Buffy has to like primp and get her hair all just right. Mm -hmm. It takes a lot of time. It sure does. I want to look good on the train. Of course you do. It's important to look good on the train. I definitely spend a couple of extra minutes. Okay, good. All of you ladies look lovely, and you head down. Professor Angles is there. He's got a suitcase, probably, uh, you know, a a leather valise briefcase, academic uh, shoulder bag sort of a thing. Um, And he, he sees you. From across the atrium there in the train station, and he waves. We wave back. And he motions you over now. He's got tickets. Uh, Ruth, Buffy, it's nice to see you. And uh, Vicky and and Gertie, of course. Here are your tickets. I've got five tickets. And then I do have two rooms arranged at the Biltmore. They're under Professor Galloway's name, reservation. Oh, that's lovely. Thank you. Um, And the train ride's only a couple hours, so we should be fine. Okay. And maybe more than that, maybe three or four hours, but we should be fine. That's that's fine. I hope you brought sandwiches. Oh, I did not bring a sandwich. I do have some beef jerky. I brought a white chocolate macadamia nut cliff bar. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> did you? <laughs> Show it to me on your character sheet. <laughs> All right, okay. You're on the train, you bored, and the furious riding of macadamia nut cliff bar. Uh, and the train chugs out of the station. Oh, I forgot. The other book that I brought um, was a book that I checked out of the library. Uh, and it's got like the history of Egypt and the architecture of Egypt. Um, because The different tomb examples yes, exactly. and things like that. So you can just bone up a little bit yes. on the train ride. 
Okay, the, so the train makes several stops. I don't have a map on me, but it hits other major metropolises as it moves its way down through Providence. People get on, people get off, and uh, at one point, you're all kind of in the trains, or you're in the, um, the passenger area, and you're sitting there, and one of you, roll spot hidden, may notice... I make it. An old newspaper that's sort of tucked in the crack of the seat. That's disgusting. (laughs) (laughs) Opening it up, you find that it's a couple days old. But it's something to read. Is it a copy of the bulletin? Yes, it is. It's a copy of the province bulletin. Wonderful. Ye gads! On the second page... Oh my god, a third handout! Read by a third guest reader. And this is read by uh, our good friend, David Larkins. Providence Evening Bulletin, February 10th, 1922. Body of young artist found. The body of one Robert Blake was discovered by two brothers of the Psi Delta fraternity whose lodgings sat next to the artists near the John Hay Library and who were drawn to his chambers by a brilliant flash and explosion in the early hours of February 9. Readers of this paper will recall the night of February 8 and following morning as being beset by prodigious lightning, including a citywide power outage between the hours of 2 and 3 a.m. The medical examiner has determined that the conditions surrounding Blake's death suggest a bolt of lightning which, perhaps surprisingly, struck through Blake's window without breaking it, killing him instantly. His instant death, so says the coroner, is likely responsible for the grimace of terror Blake's face held even several hours post-mortem when his body was discovered. Apparently, the young artist kept a diary, which the property's landlord has retained for later release to the man's family. This reporter has it on good authority that the diary's entries of late are marked by fevered scrawls and half-insane jottings. One can only hope that young Blake has found some easier rest in the afterlife. Oh my goodness. Robert Blake. Positively absurd. Is this the same Robert Blake that we're going to see, Professor Ingalls? What have you got there, girls? Oh, read this newspaper. This article is... It, it's horrible. Yikes! You said it, Professor. Blake dead? Oh, it is the same Blake. I don't know, but... We're going to 66 College Street. Let's hope it's a different Blake. Well, it says uh, at the university that it was discovered by some fraternity brothers, so it sounds as if it would be an academic. Young artist, it says. Body of young artist found. Is Blake young? I think he's more my age than he was Galloway's. Then he is. Then he is. We'll have to see when we get there. Oh my, this is horrible. Positively. I hope this... I hope this journey bodes well for us. The train ride continues. 
Unless you do something, it's uneventful when you pull into the train station at Providence. It's early afternoon. The train station is directly across from the Biltmore Hotel, which is, I cannot remember how many stories. I think it's 18 stories with a gra two grand ballrooms at the very top, uh, shops down on the first floor. It takes up a big chunk of the corner of the, of the streets there. And it's magnificent. It's got its lettering built more at the top. Casey and I have seen it. Uh, it's beautiful. A few times. Seen it and been in it. And maybe some of our listeners have stayed in it. It takes no time at all for the five of you to cross the street, check in at the Biltmore, get your rooms on the 16th floor. Wow. Almost all the way to the top. Oh, I love the view. Uh, a single room for Professor Engels and uh, sort of a double for the four of you. Okay. Oh, the suites are lovely. They are very nice. <clears throat> Um, on your way up in the elevator, Engel says, Ladies, let's check in, freshen up, meet downstairs in the lobby. We'll decide what to do then. That sounds like a good plan. We'll do that, Professor Engels. And we'll find out what the group decides next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Reckoning of the Dead Radio and our special edition of The House of Ryan Plays the House of Rillier. Call of Cthulhu is a trademark of Chaosium Incorporated and is used with permission under Chaosium's fan materials policy. The Call of Cthulhu role-playing game and The House of Rillier are property of Chaosium Inc. For more information about Chaosium Inc.'s products, please visit www.chaosium.com. We'd like to say a special thank you to today's special guest readers, Todd Gardner, C.J. Romer, and David Larkins. Todd is Chaosium's Director of Organized Play. C.J. has written many Ars Magica books for Atlas Games. And David Larkins is the line editor for Chaosium's King Arthur Pendragon game, as well as the author of Berlin the Wicked City, an excellent supplement for your Call of Cthulhu game. This episode of The Ryans and Rillier was recorded in the Reckoning of the Dead studio located in Ithaca, New York. We are the Ryans, Matt, Casey, and Eve. This episode was engineered by Matt and edited by Eve. Additional writing provided by Noah Lloyd. Jimmy McKee provided technical support. We hope you enjoyed this episode and will tune in for more. Please send any questions and or comments to reckonthedead at gmail.com. We Ryans hope you stay healthy and treat your neighbors well. <laughs>